Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you open our hearts and open our ears to hear your word. That you would be with us by your spirit in this time as you point us to your Son Christ as he is our Savior, as he is the one who sets us free. In your Son Jesus' name, amen. This text is a fascinating text. It's it's a brief text. It's a short text. But there's so much going on that the original hearers would have understand simply from living in the context of Second Temple Judaism that we may miss initially. Now, remember where Jesus is at. He is in the temple place. He has just had a fairly lengthy conversation through parables with the Pharisees as they had come to question him about his authority. They have left the scene as they went away to go plot on how to arrest Jesus. And so part of that plot, now they send their disciples, so students of the Pharisees, the grad students are being sent in to question this guy now, right? The young blood, they're they're going in. And along with them are going the Herodians. This is a weird match. These two normally would not see things eye to eye at all. You have the Pharisees, well in this case the students of the Pharisees who are the upholders of the religious law, the Torah, the scriptures of Israel, the leaders in all things lawful. And then you have the Herodians, the supporters of Herod and Rome, the supporters of the occupying nation coming into Israel coming in alongside those who would like to have the Romans gone and out. So to have those two coming in together is a bit of a red flag. Hey, now those two parties come to Jesus and with very flowery words, the students come and talk to this teacher and they call him teacher. Now this is also again somewhat tricky. Remember, as the Pharisees were talking to Jesus. They were asking him of what authority he does these things because in the rabbinical culture, if you're going to have a rabbi and a teacher, that is uh, something that's almost handed down from one rabbi to another as a rabbi has disciples that come up underneath them and then they lay hands on that one for that one to go off and be a rabbi. But now we have this carpenter turned teacher. Who was his teacher? Who was the overseer of him to come into this setting? Who was he to be teaching these things? So now you've got students here who are kind of uh, half smirkingly calling him teacher and setting him up in this position to teach his teacher, though they may not fully believe he's actually a real teacher. But nonetheless, teacher, we see you're not swayed by people's opinions and we see that you speak truthfully about the law and you speak truthfully about all things. So tell us your opinion before us who don't believe in paying taxes to Caesar and the Herodians who do believe in paying taxes to Caesar between us two. And we know you're just going to speak your mind because you don't really care what other people think. Do you see it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Those are your two options, Jesus. You get those two settings. Is it lawful to pay them or is it not lawful to pay them? What is your answer, yes or no? Think about that for a second for the people that are there asking the question. A yes answer of yes, it's lawful to pay taxes to Caesar is going to set off the Pharisees and all those who are indelibly 
Hebrews and Israelites, right? Those who don't want the occupying nation, those who don't want to pay for the Roman rule over things, it's going to set Jesus at odds with them. Now, a no answer is going to set him at odds with all those who do support Rome, for all those who do believe it's lawful, and for the Roman authority and government that's there in that place, it's going to set Jesus up as a rebellious one, one who's inciting some sort of uprising. And so he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. And so, in this conversation now, we see a pretty regular conversation between these students and a teacher. And remember, they're asking something lawful. Okay, it's not the code of laws from the Romans, but they're asking for something from the Torah. They're asking for something, you know, ideally from Moses' books. Not just all of Old Testament scripture, but ideally from Moses' books. Is it lawful to pay these taxes? They're trying to trap him in his words. They're trying to ensnare him in his words one way or the other with a yes or no answer. And, you know, if only we had like a, a modern day way of seeing people trying to ensnare others in people's words. Um, I, I know it may not seem like we do this anymore, and this may have only been a, a first century thing, uh, but if there was only some sort of way recently, like, uh, I don't know, a Supreme Court hearing or presidential debates or vice presidential debates or social media bringing out snippets of people's words or um, national media bringing out snippets of people's words or just any other way that we might be able to see someone manipulate words to trap somebody else in their own words. I know, they're hard to find, right? Okay. Think how maybe you try to snare people in their own words. Every now and then you might hear a conversation goes something like this. Um, I asked you to go do the dishes. And then the response is, no, you asked me to clean up the kitchen. Well, what I meant by that was, in part of cleaning up the kitchen, I wanted you to do the dishes. Yeah, but you didn't specifically say dishes. You said kitchen. So I picked up the napkins and I put them away and then I put, uh, you know, one pan over by the sink. And now that's a really mundane example, isn't it? But you can see where in people's lives we will use words and look for specificity and look for little itty-bitty pieces within those words of how we could trap somebody into something oftentimes to get us out of something. So here these two groups are before Jesus trying to ensnare him in his words. And so Jesus asks a question, right? He says, Show me the coin for the tax at which you're questioning me about, this poll tax, this uh, tax on everybody's head as they come into this worship place. Give, give me the coin that uh, you're to pay the tax with, which is interesting that they had it right on them, right? They were kind of enjoying the wealth and the money that they had right there. So they flip Jesus a coin and he takes it and he says, whose image and inscription? is on this. Now, those are two very important points we're going to get to in a second. Whose image and inscription is on this? And they simply reply, well, Caesar's. Think about that for a second. The image, Caesar's. Easy. The inscription, likely something along these lines. Caesar Tiberius, or Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. 
So an inscription, words, naming who that person is, naming the purpose of where that's coming from. And so Jesus says, okay, well, this looks like it's Caesar's, so give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Well, we pick up on that first part pretty quick. Give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Well, the coin bears his image and it bears his inscription. And unto God the things that are God's. Well, what bears God's image and what bears his inscription? That's where we have to start to kind of sit in the thoughts of the Pharisees as they wrestle with this. Remember, they're asking for a legal answer to a legal question, something from Moses' books that would speak to this question that they have. We'll go back to Genesis. All creation made in the image of God. Well, not all of creation, is it? Humans, man, the image bearers of God. Okay, what about the inscription? I got a chance to read a, a few different things on this, and one gentleman's input on this points us to Exodus 3.19. And this I thought was fascinating, considering the timing at which Jesus is talking. Okay, remember, this is Holy Week. This is right before Passover that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And if we start to look at Exodus, uh, actually, it's 13.9. I said 3.19. Flip that around. Exodus 13.9. If you go to there and look at it, what is going on there is God is talking to his people through Moses and he's saying, look, you're going to bear this as a sign upon your hands and as something central between your sight that you will speak about this so that the law, the instruction of the Lord will be in your mouth and you will speak it from generation to generation. Every time at this time of the year, every year at this time of the year, you're going to do this particular thing. It was the first Passover. It was the first moment at which Israel was released from slavery in Egypt. It was where God had rescued them and taken them out of the area in which they were in, enslaved to another nation, and brought them out by God's grace because of his love and his mercy for his people. And then he speaks to them and he said, this very thing that you're doing to mark this time, this Passover, which I have commanded you to do so that you would see my grace and mercy and my saving of you, do this every year. Remember whose you are. Remember that all of it comes from my hand and that I am the one that loves and cares for you and provides for you and brings you where you need to be. That's the inscription upon God's people. The image and the inscription, hand in hand in that moment. As the Pharisees and the Herodians walk away marveled because of the way that he answered, where he didn't get stuck in their snares, he didn't get stuck in their manipulating words, but he answered them in a way that neither one could trap him in what was going on. And you see, what he said guides us in this way. It's much bigger than just giving coin to where the coin came from and serving enough in the church. It comes to a realization that everything comes from God. It comes to a realization that He is the one that has freed us from the slavery to sin. He is the one that has shown His grace and mercy upon us. He is the one that has not only created us in His image, but inscribed Himself upon our hearts 
inscribed his expectation for us upon our hearts and covered us with his grace and mercy in our baptisms and through all that Christ has done for you. So he has claimed you and then gives you everything that is Christ. Everything that you have from day to day, from breath to rain to food to monetary things to shelter to family, and that doesn't always look good to us. Yet God has given it to us. And so, as he gives those things to us, we then give honor and respect to the places that need that honor and respect. We give thanks and praise to the places that need thanks and praise. And then we remember that God has even given us government for leadership and protection. He's given us salvation and righteousness in Christ. He's given us identity in Christ, and he's given us leadership and protection by his hand through government. So we live each day as Christian citizens, as Christians who then vote not to make America Christian, but in order to take care of our neighbor, in order to speak a Christian mindset, in order to share the things upon a Christian heart that God has given us to begin with to try and take care of those who are around us. And then we pray that our representatives who are in those offices hear those words and act them out as well. See, because everything is given by God. So give to God the things that are God's. Well, it's everything that we have every day. As we thank God for what he gives, because even Caesar's things come from God, whether he knows it or not. As we're given all of these things, remember that whatever way in which we interact with these things, the salvation and identity that's given to us by God and the leadership and the protection given by government, all of it led by God's over-reigning rule and righteousness. We remember that our place in it is to share the grace and mercy that he has shown to us, caring for those who are around us, knowing that we're absolutely loved by God and all the things that he has done for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us. All that you've done for us in our spiritual matters and all that you've done for us in our civic matters as you put entities in place for our protection as well. We pray, Lord, that in all of it we would see your hand at work. And we pray that uh, your grace and your mercy, that your love for your creation would be shown through it all. And we understand that your justice, your judgment and your justice is also shown. But we pray, Lord, that you would keep us safe from all things harmful and that you would have a hand in all things right, continually pointing us and guiding us to your Son, Christ. In his name we pray.